Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, friends and family of South Valley Community Church. Welcome, grace to you, and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship with us. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, it says this, chapter 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations Let's sing about the faithfulness of God. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His 
faithful. The Bible tells us that even when we're faithless, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Lord of all creation, water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty you are holy holy lord of heaven and earth lord of heaven and earth early in the morning i will celebrate the I stumble in the darkness I will call your name by night God of wonders beyond our galaxy You are holy, holy The universe declares your majesty You are holy Declares your 
church declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Our God is a holy God, and he calls us before the foundation of the world, and he wants us to be holy like he is. And that is only possible because God has saved us and given us his spirit. Let's sing praise to our Father for what he's done in saving us. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come. We're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we're gathered together. Lift up your name to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing. We will rise with you lifted on your wings, and the world will see that. Our God saves, our God saves, there is hope in your name. the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we gather together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace, hear the joyful sound of our offering, as your saints bow down, as your people sing. We'll rise with you lifted on your wings And the world will see that Our God saves Our God saves There is hope in your name
Father, we know that you're an awesome God who gives salvation to those who ask. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you pour out. We thank you for your faithfulness that endures through all generations. You truly are a God of wonders, a God of great majesty and power. You're awesome. And we are so grateful today to have the privilege to worship Folks in their homes right now, gathering together with family, lifting up the name of their God. May you bless them. May, Father, you bless each one listening right now. May your word today just encourage your people's hearts. May you, above all things, Lord, be glorified in your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, hey guys, thanks for joining us today. If this is your first time here with us online, we want to especially welcome you and invite you to fill out our online communication card. We'll put the link for it right here for you so that you can see that. That just gives us a chance as a staff to reach out to you and connect with you. And so we would love to be a resource and to answer any questions that you may have. We also want to encourage you to check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook. We have so many different things going on in the life of the church, such as our Celebrate Recovery ministry, our Sunday night uh, youth ministry, Foundations Youth. We've got Renewed Thrift Store. We have a baptism class that's coming up for kids this next Sunday. There's so many different things going on, guys. It's super exciting, so we don't want you to miss out on that. So make sure you follow us and make sure to stay connected in that way, too. Now, last Sunday, we had shared with you guys that we are partnering with the Parks and Rec Department in the city of Lemoore. They are hosting a drive through trunk or treat event on the 31st, and we just want to bless them with all the candy, y'all, all of the candy. So we are collecting candy donations from our church family on Sunday mornings during our Sunday morning outdoor worship services at 9 a.m. And then you can also bring them during the week to our church office. We'll have some buckets just right outside and you can put them there and then we'll be bringing them inside so that chocolate doesn't melt. And it's just a great way for us to be a blessing to have this outpour of love onto our community in a new and different way. 
Also, be on the lookout because our children's ministry has been working super hard to prepare also for Glowween, which is a drive-through scavenger hunt event that will be happening through our campus and also throughout the city of Lemoore on the night of the 31st. So be on the lookout for that. And then on the next day, they're going to be having a celebration for the SVCC kids. They'll be able to dress up in their costumes. This is going to be fun, y'all. So make sure you stay uh, aware of what's happening. We'll be posting about it, emailing about it, sending messenger pigeons about it. It's going to be great. Now, the last thing about October, you guys, is that that is typically what we call Pastor Appreciation Month. And we, you guys, have such an outstanding staff that has worked tirelessly to answer the call that the Lord has placed on their heart for such a time as this. And if you've been with us for a while, you might know that we've had some hurdles to overcome as a church. And it is amazing just what our church staff has had, uh, has has done to be able to just continue our, our ability to be able to hold services and to lead a church. And we are continuing to pray for the next step that we have. We've already shared with you that we have a candidate that is uh, being pursued. And we just want to pray not only for that candidate in the pastoral search committee, but we also want to pray for our, our pastoral staff that we've had and that have been working so hard. And so um, we want to pray for them right now. And as you go through your week, we want to also just encourage you to not only think about them, but to pray for them too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we uh, ask for his hand over them. Oh, Lord God, thank you for the blessing of this day where we can come to you and learn more about you and your outstanding love for us. And we want to take a moment, Father, to pause and to praise you for our pastoral staff at South Valley Community Church, Lord. You have put it on the hearts of these six individuals, Lord, to lead and to draw people to the heart of Jesus Christ. And we want to pray a, a special blessing over them, Lord. Would you touch their hearts in such a way that just invigorates them in their walk with you and just continues to grow this passion they have to help people to know who you are. God, we want to thank you for, for Gilbert and Frank, Ron, John, Seth, Ali. We want to thank you for all of them. And we understand, Lord, that the role of a pastor is not something that just turns off after Sunday morning is over. It is a 24-hour job, and we just want to ask, Lord, for their uh, hearts to be strong in you, that they would continue to pursue your wisdom as they lead. We want to pray your provision and your protection over their lives and the lives of their families. God, thank you so much for our pastors, and we praise you for the work you're doing in and through them. So, Lord, as we move forward, we just ask that you would continue to be with us during this service, and would you set us into a trajectory of joy and faith and love and grace this week. We love you, Father God. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you soon. Bye now. Hello again. I hope that you will go get you a Bible and find your way to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, in the Old Testament. You're going to want to follow along as we look at some passages of Scripture there this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is a historical account of a nation that is facing a crisis. I think you can see the relevance uh, just in that alone. Second Chronicles gives us one of those remarkable accounts of God's magnificent power and intervention as he demonstrates that in response to the prayers and faith 
of his people. A nation in crisis gets before God when they're facing a very difficult circumstances. And folks, you know this to be true. God still works in our lives in response to our faith, doesn't he? Faith isn't a magic wand that believers use to command God to make all the bad things go away or, or listen, or to, get, to grant us all of the good things we want. You see, faith doesn't always take away the bad things, doesn't always remove the crisis, but faith takes us through that. Now, if you have that Bible open to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the crisis that the nation of Judah is facing is set forth in verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Amnon and others with them beside the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, there's a significance to verse 1 if you'll take and compare it with a, a verse three chapters earlier. In 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 10, it says that the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah so that they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. And three chapters later, that no longer seems to be the case. And all of a sudden we go, I wonder what happened in those three verses. And frankly, we could spend our time looking at what might have been the catalyst that brought about this sudden and unexpected invasion. We could go back a couple of chapters and see, real, frankly, some real errors in judgment that Jehoshaphat made as king that may have, may have caused this. We could even go back well over a century, all the way back to Jehoshaphat's great-great-great-great-grandfather David, who the Bible says decimated. He just wiped out almost the entire nation of Moab in a battle. Matter, as a matter of fact, from the time of David to the time of Jehoshaphat, where we're at in 2 Chronicles 20, about 125 years have passed. For over a century, Moab has not been a significant military force. And as a matter of fact, they probably are not in Jehoshaphat's day, which is why they have also included the Ammonites and what we find out later in this chapter to be the Meunites. They're the others that are mentioned in verse 1. So there's this three nations have gathered together because Moab probably was not a great enough nation even after a, a century of growing back once David took care of them. And now here they are on the border of Judea. And we could go back and look and find out what happened, but I don't think that's how we need to spend our time today. We could actually look and try to analyze those reasons and find some, someone to blame for it, but that would absolutely serve no purpose, right? We could also, in chapter 20, go a little bit forward to that great part where God actually causes those three armies to turn on themselves and the victory comes to Judah without them ever firing a single arrow or throwing one single spear. It's an incredible chapter. I love that story, how God steps in and just handles things. Those verses can be so encouraging, but we're not going to examine them either. What I want us to look at today is just spend some time considering the prayer of Judas King Jehoshaphat that the Holy Spirit chose to include in the Holy Scriptures. Now, 
Don't turn me off just because I said we're going to study prayer. That doesn't sound exciting, but you need to hear this message. You're going to be encouraged if you'll just stay with me for a little bit this morning. No doubt that this godly man uh, was a man of prayer. If you go back a few chapters, you will see that Jehoshaphat was instrumental in sending his leaders and some of the Levites throughout the region of Judah teaching the Word of God. He took down the places where there was idol worship and he restored God back to where he should be in that nation. He was a man of God. The Bible says he was a man like his father David was. An incredible man of God. And we, we can get some real insight into how we as a people today can face the crisis that our nation is in. And I think we would all agree we really are a nation in crisis. And so we're going to study this prayer. And listen, as Christians, I know we can do more than pray. But as one man said, it, as Christians, we do more than pray, but we can't do more than pray until we've prayed. And that is so true. Now, the people of the southern kingdom of Judah must have felt that sense of dread at the possibility of their otherwise peaceful lives being disrupted by this impending crisis. You can imagine it. You wake up one morning to someone running through the, the city saying, there is a war coming, they're on our border. And you can imagine the dread that would fill your heart. The, verse 3 says as much. Look at verse 3. It's when Jehoshaphat got the news of these impending armies coming down, it says Jehoshaphat feared. Now, we don't blame him, do we? That would be everyone's initial response. Now, Jehoshaphat has some options at this point. He's heard the news that the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Meonites have united together to come and attack him. He has never known war within his borders as king. God has given him peace all around. Something has changed, and that's got to disturb his heart. And so naturally he fears, and he probably starts thinking, what are some of my options? He does have some options. He could quickly rally his more than one million man army. Go back to chapter 17 to just do the math. He had more than a million people serving in his military. He probably, probably would have been a formidable force just in that. But he also has another option. If you go back a little further in 2 Chronicles, you will see where Jehoshaphat entered into an alliance with the king of Israel, Ahab, years before and helped him in Israel's battle against Ramoth Gilead. And so what he could do, one of his options would be, send a messenger to the king of Israel, the northern ten tribes, and say, hey, we're being invaded from the south. Can you come help us? Don't forget, we helped you. Those are two of his options. But those options would have been born out of his initial response of fear. I love what he does. Continue with me in verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Listen, remember this. When facing a time of crisis, the primary purpose of seeking God isn't simply to get an answer or deliverance or guidance. The primary purpose in seeking God in the midst of a crisis is to get your focus 
where it needs to be. And that is on God himself. That's what needs to happen. Now, of all of the prayers that Jehoshaphat ever prayed, and he was a man of prayer, no doubt. For some reason, the Holy Spirit made certain that the prayer he prayed in chapter 20 got recorded into the inspired word of God. It must be significant. And you know what? You can get a glimpse of a person's view of God just by listening to how they pray and to what they pray for. I am so privileged every Tuesday morning at six o'clock in my, my shop behind my house, I meet with the five or six men and we have a, a song, we have a devotion, and then we pray. And just praying with these men ignites my soul. You can tell they're serious about God. And you walk out of, out of that shop just like you've been to church. There's something about knowing God. And when you hear somebody pray, and you hear what they pray for and the way they pray, you learn something about that man or that woman of prayer. So in light of this crisis, Jehoshaphat, first of all, focuses on God's position and the position of God. Look at verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said... O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Now the term God in heaven is not the thought that he's far above us geographically. The thought is that he is far above us in terms of his greatness, his majesty. He's a God of wonders. It talks about the greatness of his ability. It denotes the majesty of God. Are you not the majestic God who rules the heavens and the earth. So Jehoshaphat's prayer then begins with a proper perspective of God's position. He is the great ruler of heaven and earth. His greatness, folks, just like all of his other attributes, is unchanging, right? He's unchanging. Folks, when we face the crisis that our nation is in right now, Please keep in the forefront of your mind and your heart that God's greatness never changes. I appreciate the words of J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. He says this, The Christian's instincts of trust and worship are stimulated very powerfully by knowledge of the greatness of God. But this knowledge which Christians largely lack and this is one reason why our faith is so feeble and our worship so flabby, end quote. A lot of us say God is great, but then don't we live in fear and worry and doubt and cynicism? Don't we actually say that God is great, but then live like he's not? Look at this psalm, memorize it. Psalm 145.3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. So folks, first of all, Jehoshaphat in his prayer focused on, the, on, on God's position, which is unchanging. Satan, Satan thought to remove God's position, didn't he? 
If you look over in the book of Isaiah, and I don't think this is uh, put this on the screen, but how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the far sides of the north. I will ascend above the heavens of the clouds. I will be like the Lord most high. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> Satan thought he would be, but he certainly didn't. And if Satan can't usurp God's greatness and pull him off the throne, there's no one else that can do that either. Folks, just realize when chaos becomes pandemic, God's position remains unchanged. But he also focused, secondly, on the power of God, which is unlimited. Look at the rest of verse 6. And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? He's just talking about the unlimited power of God. You remember when the Lord was speaking to Abraham. Abraham's an old man. He promised Abraham a child. Sarah's listening in and, and she hears that she's going to become pregnant. And she's in her 90s and she laughs. Laughs like, yeah, right. And God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? What is the answer to that question? Nothing. When Jesus commissioned his disciples to go into all of the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples, he preceded those daunting instructions with these words, all power, all authoritative power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Folks, remind yourself of this truth in the midst of this crisis our nation's in. Our God is omnipotent. That means He is all-powerful. When facing a crisis, remember, God can do anything, and God can do anything just as easily as He can do anything else. Right? When facing a crisis, remember God can do anything and He can do anything just as easily as He can do anything else. Jeremiah 32 verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer again is no. And Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat focused on the position of God. It's unchanging. God cannot be dethroned. And he focused on the power of God, which is unlimited. Nothing is too hard for him. Thirdly, he focuses on the promises of God. Look at verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Now, folks, this speaks of God's faithfulness to keep His promises because what he is referencing, what Jehoshaphat is referencing, is back in Genesis chapter 15 where God made a covenant, an everlasting covenant, to give the very land that Jehoshaphat is king of to his people. And he is faithful to keep his promise. The writer of Psalm 89 verse 34 says, My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Do you know, folks, it is the very nature of God to be faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, if our faith falters, 
he remains faithful, he cannot deny himself. It is the very nature of God to be faithful. Can you count on that? Absolutely. Psalm 89, verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. It's His very nature to be faithful. The position of God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, 6, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. And the power of God is unlimited. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and earth by your great power and outstretched arm, and there's nothing too hard for you. And the promises of God, folks, they are unbreakable. That's why Psalm 119, verse 90 says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. When God makes a promise, God always, without fail, keeps His promise. And He promised His people that land. And Jehoshaphat's reflecting that. And he's talking to God. He says, God, I know you're faithful. You made a promise and you'll stand by it. But he also, in his prayer, makes reference to two more things. First of all, the presence of God. Look at verse 8. And they dwell in it, that is, they dwell in the land you gave them, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, that's, that's the crisis, right? If our nation comes into a crisis, whether it's the sword or judgment or pestilence, by the way, that word refers to disease or plagues, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and we'll cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. He says, Lord, look, this is your sanctuary. We've, it's been built and your name abides in it. And you know what he's acknowledging there? Now he's talking about his great-great-grandfather Solomon, David's son. Solomon is the one who built this temple. And when he was dedicating it, Solomon said this, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. But Jehoshaphat knows that this temple represents the abiding presence of God. And folks, God's presence is unbounded. He is not bound by anything. Any circumstance, God is with us. Forever He is with us. Forever He is faithful. Amen. God said this, Do not I fill heaven and earth, Jeremiah 23, 24. And the answer to that is, of course you do, God. Your presence is everywhere and you have an abiding presence with me. And here's what God promises. My spirit abides in you and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. God's presence is unbounded. But the next thing he talks about is the protection of God. Look at verse 9. He says, if a disaster comes upon us, a sword, judgment, uh, pestilence, famine, we stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is at this temple, and we cry out to you in our affliction. Listen to this. You will hear and you will save. Now he's talking about God's protection. And, and folks, God's protection is unbeatable. It's unbeatable. You cannot defeat God. No one can. When you're in God's hands, 
Folks, you're protected, right? You may be in good hands with all state, but you're in great hands with Almighty. Jesus said this, one of my favorite verses in the book of John, John chapter 10. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And if that's all, if he ended right there, that would be safe enough. But he goes on and makes it even safer, doesn't he? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I'm telling you, folks, you're in great hands with the Almighty God. And Jehoshaphat is saying, God, we have your protection. Your presence is here, and we cry out to you in our affliction. You hear, and you what? You save. You save. I was talking to somebody recently. We were talking about COVID-19 and, and uh, about the, what's going on in our world. And, and I, I made the comment, what's the worst thing that could happen if I get COVID-19? I mean, I'd, I'd die and go to heaven. And they said, no, that's the best thing that could happen. <laughs> I stand corrected. I stand corrected. I'm in God's hands no matter what. But he also talks about the possession of God. And this is so encouraging. The possession of God is untakeable. And that's not a real word. I'm a preacher. I needed a word that began with you in. It's untakeable. And now, verse 10, Here are the people of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. And here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. And he reminds God that we are your possession. Not just the land, but the people. Can I remind you of something? In the day and time in which we live... There is absolutely nothing, nothing of eternal value that any ungodly government can take from you. Your treasure and my treasure are stored up in a place where neither moth nor rust can corrupt, nor where a thief can break in and steal. Everything of value that I have is eternal. Whatever they take, take it. Whatever COVID takes from me, whether it's my life or my health, my eternal values, my eternal possessions are in heaven. And more importantly, I am God's eternal possession. I belong to Him. He's the one who provides for me. And He possesses me. And you know what? I'm untakeable because of that. But then he talks about, lastly, in verse 12, the provision of God. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In other words, God, it's your provision that we look towards. And I think it's interesting. It's interesting. He says, we have no power against this great, this great multitude. Well, you see, he's, he's not putting his trust in a million-man army because a million-man army can be defeated. But when you have God to provide for you, you've got what you need. 
no matter what. And he says, look, we have no power against this multitude that comes against us. We, we, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. You know what I love about this prayer? Think about this for a moment. Nowhere in this prayer does Jehoshaphat tell God what to do. I've had it up to here with name it and claim it theology that makes demands and commands God to do something. Jehoshaphat never tells God what to do. You know his whole focus has been on the greatness of God, the promise of God, the provision of God, the possession of God. It's all been God-centered. Think about some of the times you pray and about how you tell God what you want Him to do for you. The closest He comes is simply saying, God, will you not judge them? But even then, He doesn't tell God how He thinks they should be judged, how He thinks He should carry it out. He just says, God, will you not do this? Of course, God, we're your possession. You will provide. That if disaster comes upon us, folks, if we are facing a crisis like Jehoshaphat was and the people of Judah... These seven truths are like strong pillars upon which we can lean our lives. We don't have to falter and stumble through this crisis. We don't have to be given to fear over the, the prevailing things that are going on in our world. Each of these things that Jehoshaphat mentioned, you know what they do? They raise God back to the lofty height that is true of his name. And again, he becomes the majestic, sovereign, powerful God. You see, that was the focus of his prayer. It's not, oh Lord, do this, do that for me. Make sure you do this. No, everything is about God, who he is, what he's like. Folks, that is getting our focus where it needs to be. His position, unchanging. Same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is unlimited. There's nothing too hard for God. His presence is unbound. Folks, He's, om he's not only omnipotent, but He's omnipresent. He fills heaven and earth. His protection is unbeatable. If God is for us, who can be against us, Paul said. And His possession, it's untakeable. What shall separate us? From the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. No one can have us. If I'm in my Father's hands, I'm in the grip of God. And His provision is inexhaustible. God's resources to take care of His own never diminish. Now you look at that prayer of Jehoshaphat. Isn't it wonderful? But if you look at it, you know what it looks like? Do you remember when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, okay, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the position of God. Our Father, which is in heaven. That speaks of his majestic position. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That speaks of promise. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. That's provision, both physical provision, and spiritual provision. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's God's protection. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That speaks of His possession and His power. 
Isn't it interesting that Jehoshaphat prayed a prayer that had the same elements that the Lord taught his disciples to include when they prayed? And you know what happened? When they finished that prayer meeting, God gave some instructions through a musician. And they wind up going out to battle with the singers in front of the soldiers. And they went out singing his praises. Facing a crisis, they didn't know what God was going to do. But to them, it doesn't matter. We belong to God. We're His possession. We're, we're His. And they go out with the singers in front of the soldiers, praising God. One of the most difficult things to do is to praise and worship God in the midst of a time of crisis. Folks, it takes tenacious faith to offer worship when the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Kovites <laughs> are threatening your borders. And the people of Judah, they're instructed to set the singers before the soldiers. And let me tell you something. The victory, the victory is not in God bringing about a quick end to their crisis. Though that's what he did. That wasn't the victory. The victory in a crisis is our willingness to worship and express praise to God no matter what the outcome of the crisis is. Like Job 13, 15 and 16, Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I will maintain my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. It doesn't matter, Job says. If I die, if I live and I keep my ways going, my salvation is still in Him. I'm His possession. He has promised me. And He's the God who is faithful all the time. So folks, in the midst of our current national and global crisis, look unto God. Seek Him. Lean upon God. Trust Him. Listen to God. Obey Him. Leave it with God. And just begin to praise Him. Do that. And you will find victory over whatever is causing you angst right now. I love the story of a, a woman named Fanny Crosby. And I've shared this before, but it's so powerful. Fanny Crosby wrote many of the hymns that have found their way into many of the Christian hymn books over the years. She was blind, completely blind. At eight years old, if you can imagine, Fanny Crosby wrote this poem called Blind But Happy. Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. That eight-year-old girl has more sense than a lot of believers. Three times, four times her age, doesn't she? In later years, Fanny Crosby would pen these words, and I will close with them. Listen, listen to what she wrote in one of her hymns. Praise Him when the sun is shining, when the winds of trouble blow, when you see no silver lining on clouds that hang so low. Praise Illumines clouds of sorrow, turns the gray skies into gold, giving promise of a morrow bright with blessings manifold. Praise Him when your load is heavy and the day no comfort brings. 
Then your burden God will carry, bear you as on eagle's wings. God delights to have us praise him and believe his holy word. And he knoweth them that trust him, for they always praise the Lord. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're strengthened in the inner man, as Paul would say. And I hope you will think about your prayer. When you pray for this nation, when you pray for South Valley, when you pray for the lost, make it God-centered. Keep Him in your focus. Father God, we come before you acknowledging how great and how wonderful you are. You are an awesome God, Lord, and we look to you. In the midst of this national calamity, whatever you want to call it, Father, you're on the throne. You cannot be removed from the majestic position you hold in the universe. And we, your people, Lord, we need to learn to lean, to listen, and then to begin praising in the midst of the storm. Father, I know there are some listening to this who are gripped in fear. They've never gotten past verse 3 where it says Jehoshaphat feared. But the rest of that verse says that he set himself to seek the Lord. And they need to get past that comma in verse 3 and begin to seek your face and to gain strength and encouragement as they focus on you, your greatness, your promises, your provision, your protection, your possession. May, Lord, you be glorified today in your church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have a good and godly week. Take care.